Welcome to Math Mama Misadventures, stories of mishap and adventure from women adventurers. Every woman has a story she can share from the zany to the inspirational. Brought to you by Mount Mamas, a nonprofit women's adventure organization. Women empowering women to adventure. My name is Emily Hackett, and I'm running solo again this week. Um, I have a wonderful guest. Oh, and Debbie says hello, by the way. <laughs> um, my guest today is Pam. She is has been here before. We've heard her stories of traveling the world um, with when her father worked for Pan Am. And um, she had mentioned at the end of that interview that she had climbed Kilimanjaro um, in 2019, and I had climbed it in 2010. So we thought we would love to get together and share an episode or two with you of our adventures. Um, first, I wanted to share, um, <clears throat> Pam, your um, living north of here in Mill Creek area. And do you want to share something just interesting? I know you... Why don't you talk about your robotics? Because I know robotics is a passionate thing about you. Just for a couple minutes and learn share. a bit about me. <laughs> I do live up with the three canyons up there, with the big cottonwood, the little cottonwood, and the Mill Creek Canyon. And Salt Lake, yeah, and Salt Lake. Yeah, City. just five minutes away. So it's pretty cool to be up there. I have collected about forty or fifty kits, robotic kits, because I'm going to start going into the schools after school programs for free and teaching these young children how to build and program robots. And I took it the, on this Africa trip that we're talking about. I took the robots and got some really cool pictures of the kids, especially the little girls playing with the robots. And um, I'm going to be going back and donating my programs and things to them. So <laughs> it does that. tie together. This that does is so tie cool. together. You're right. It does tie together. Oh, that is so neat. Well, for those of you who may not know, um, so Kilimanjaro is the highest summit in Africa at over 19,000 feet, and it's located in Tanzania, and um, so much to share. This is really cool. Now, Pam and I did the same route. Um, okay, and how do you pronounce it? Machame. Machame, the Machame route, which is a very popular route that most people take. And it takes about <clears throat> how many days to get to the summit? Seven days. About a week to get to the summit. And then was it two? Oh, no, five and a half days mm -hmm. up and one and a half days down. Yes. That's the most common. You can go eight days. You can go six days. But seven days is the, for the whole trip is the most common. Yeah, that, that, that sounds familiar to me, too. And, and, and as in all high-altitude trips, the reason why you go up slower um, is just because you need to adapt and let your body adjust to the elevation, or it can be very, very dangerous. Um, we've talked in a previous episode in Aconcagua and um, Ever Space Camps that um, on these really high altitude trips, if you don't go slow, then you can get high altitude cerebral edema and high altitude pulmonary edema, and they can be fatal. So, um, so there's a saying in on the Kilimanjaro trek from the porters. And do you want to share? Poly, poly, slowly, slowly. <laughs> and they tell you that the entire trip, <laughs> all the way up. Because they have all these, I mean, all of us hikers, we're just so excited. We want to go fast and get to the top and, and know where camp is and all this. And they're like, nope, you just take your time, go nice and slow. So did you have the experience of trucking along and passing people? And then when you go to rest, then they turn around and pass you? Yes. Did you see that? Well, my group was average age in the 60s mm -hmm. years old like me so we went slow consistently slow <laughs> so that's what we would have happen is we didn't stop that many times because uh -huh. we just went consistently slow so we would 
um, have people pass us and then we'd pass them on the side while they were resting. And I loved the consistent, you can talk while you're hiking, you know, the consistent, you're not out of breath after Mm -hmm. you go up a steep section. So I learned, and I've talked to a lot of, especially men who say, I learned to hike slower Uh when I, after I did Kilimanjaro. And it's so much better for you too. I feel like you, what were some of the perks that you liked about going slower? Just those things that you could talk while you were Mm -hmm. hiking and that you weren't out of breath when you went through a steep stretch. Yeah. I loved it. I know. I know. I agree. So what? why did you want to do Kilimanjaro? It was actually because I had met a guy from high school after a, fam- after a school reunion maybe 10 years ago, 15 years ago, that had never gotten married. And on his wall, he had these cool things like hiking Kilimanjaro and all these achievements that he'd done because... He didn't have a family and kids, you know, and all that. And so I remember just looking at those pictures going, okay, that's my one child. That's my other child. This is what I did instead of doing these things. But it it always bugged me. Mm -hmm. And so I was going to Africa with with his wife to work in the schools with the kids. And she said, while we're in the schools, um, my husband's going to be taking a group up Kilimanjaro. And I go, oh, no, I'm going to ditch you. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I want to do this. And so I did. Um, I yeah, got, yeah. I, she took me one day in the school so that mm-hmm. I can meet the kids and the, and the principal and, and get some pictures with the kids and the robots. But I chose Kilimanjaro instead. <laughs> I mean, it takes forever to get there. Like, I remember on the way home, it was like 24 hours of just in plane time. And I think that was five or six flights and... Like, you get all the way over there, you're going to want to do some epic stuff. And, yeah, like, we went over, I went because <clears throat> my dad and I were trying to hike as many of the seven summits as we possibly could with our minimal skills. And we had just done Aconcagua in Argentina. So this was, like, you know, a step, you know, two, gosh, 4,000 feet less, you know. So we're like, this will be great and easy. Because usually people do Kili first and then they do Aconcagua. They go by height, probably, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. Altitude. But Africa is just so far away. You know, it takes so long to get there. Um, and then we had run up. We'd gone a crew of just random friends. This is kind of how we had always done it. Is just asked a million people and who wanted to go. <laughs> just found a bunch of people. And one of our guys was like, oh, organize it. And contacted a company, you know, in Africa. And they kind of organized it for us. And, and we showed up. And then met one of the gals in our crew um, she was living in South Africa at the time, like you do, you know, and so she flew up to hang out with us. But yeah, so we were kind of a younger crew. I think we were like 20s to 20s. And then my dad was in his 60s as well. So yeah, we kind of had a big range. Um, but yeah, that was our crew. Um, and we originally did the safari first because you're there. You got to go to Kenya. You got to do all the cortical stuff. Um, but um, we'll talk about that later. But um The neat thing about Kilimanjaro, I think, is that you go through so many climate zones. And that is a really interesting, uh, a a very original, wow, let me say that, a very unique um, part of Kilimanjaro. And anyway, so we'll kind of talk about that. As we go through day to day, you're in like a whole new environment. And that's really fascinating. So so what was it like for you? Um, So you started at the Machame Hut or the Machame Gate. Gate. And the altitude there was... We should post a couple of our pictures. Oh, for sure we will. Oh, okay. <laughs> we should. <laughs> That's just one of the three pictures I kept. I, I'm not a picture person, but 
at the beginning, we're in our rain capes because it was drizzling. Oh, yeah. Because um, it's the rainforest. Uh-huh. The first day is all rainforest, and it was drizzling. And I learned I hate capes. I hate your <laughs> rain cape. I would much rather have, and you get to see what everyone else is wearing after the fact, right? If you had to do it again. Uh-huh. I'd much rather wear a jacket and then uh, something over your pack. Uh-huh. Like a poncho. Uh, like No, I hate, yeah, the yeah, poncho is what yeah, I don't what like. You don't like. Yeah. Okay. Because your hands are stuck, and right. I really don't like ponchos. So you can just get a regular rain uh, jacket, and you can put pants off if you need them. Or, but if you have the lightweight pants, they just dry, and yeah. it's no big deal. Yeah. If it's warm enough, I guess mm-hmm. that's the key. It's warm enough. And and then you make sure you have a covering over your pack, and then um, you're, you're way more comfortable than a poncho. I agree. I totally agree. Yeah, I'm all about that. Yeah. And you had a bunch of porters. Or would you have guys helping you and supporting and carrying some of your stuff? Or, Oh, yeah, but they don't stay with you. They nah. don't stay with you. They're uh-huh. gone. Yeah. They just take off. And there's a lot. There's like more than who, because they're carrying your porta potty. Uh-huh. They're carrying your food, your eggs, your water, your everything. So there's a lot of porters. And and then we did have one girl in our group of nine, I, ten, nine or ten. That actually got a personal porter. Oh, nice. Because she wasn't keeping up. Oh. And and they he told her, you're going to have to get one because we can't keep track of you. And we can't, it just, if you're not staying with the group and he's responsible, then he, and there was another person that should have, but he did his own thing. And so uh, he showed up at the camp every night. So we're, that's <laughs> fine. But it. the rest of us stayed pretty close together. Yeah. In, in smaller groups. So together. they're carrying the tents, they're carrying all the food, the stuff to cook the food, and like you said, the bathroom stuff, and they carry it on their heads. I was just looking, I have my little book that I made of this, so you might hear some paper flippings, but um, yeah, they carry everything on their heads and kind of balance on the back of their shoulders, I guess. Yeah. It's, yeah, and they're strong. Heavy. Yeah. Things. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And you'll remember this, they don't wear deodorant. <laughs> So you smell them as they pass by. You remember that, right? I don't remember that. You don't remember that? Oh, okay. Okay. I was worried about so many other. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) I had not fared well on the last high altitude trip that we'd done in Aconcagua. So I was just like, I'm going to take it easy. Take Mm. on focusing on everything we were doing and yeah, being calm. And yeah. So, okay. So anything on your first day? Then there other being in the rainforest? Was that any other? It was just beautiful. And because it's from 5,000 feet. To 9,000 feet, mm-hmm. your first day, uh-huh. and it's um, seven miles the first day. Mm-hmm. So the one thing that I realized was different because I had done seven miles here at home uh-huh. to practice. It turns out the year I went, I went, did you, I went the beginning of July, uh-huh. which is right in the middle of the season, probably the warmest. So do you remember when I you went? I think ours was June or July, somewhere around there. Yeah. Okay, because some other people here in Utah after us went and it, they, were, they were in snow gear and it was snowy. Ooh. It was Whoa. cold the yeah, whole time. Yeah. That was not smart. But um, the one thing, uh, it, so seven miles. But when I do seven miles here, it's three and a half miles up and three and a half miles down. Uh-huh. And when you do seven miles on Killy, you're going seven miles up. Uh-huh. <laughs> and so so most of us, after the first couple of days, had stiff legs. It mm-hmm. wasn't like they were super sore, but they were stiff. Yeah, yeah. And you work them out as yeah. you go, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so... Uh, and I'll talk about this the second day was the most, but so they allow like six hours to, um, 
go. And mm-hmm. do you start like at eight in the morning? Did you? Yeah, we much? were starting early. They were trying to hydrate us with some teas and stuff like that. And you that. finish up at two or three in the afternoon. Yeah, it's it not an all like. day thing. And you have lunch or like a snack on the trail. And our porters were awesome. We just loved it. Did they there. carry the whole food tent and everything with you? And then you actually stop with a food tent? No, and... no. It was like we had a lead oh. guide and a rear guide. And they were the ones carrying the lighter packs like we did, like the day packs. Yeah. And they were the ones that kept track of us. And they had all our snacks and stuff that they'd carry. And then we had our snacks, like their little lunch yeah. that they would unpack for oh. us. And they'd be like sandwiches or something simple, meats and Our cheeses. porters would go on ahead and have <clears throat> the whole building, you know, a whole Yeah, and tent. then the rest of them would do that, yeah. Well, for lunch even, they'd stop ahead ah. when they knew where we were going to stop. Mm. Yeah, I think so. I'm trying to remember, but yeah, I think so. And then, um, yeah, how about your second day? What was it like for you? So I took a picture on the second day. Uh-huh. And I love it. Like, I took like 3,000 and you're like, I took a picture. I took I just a few. I know. But these were just, that was my favorite because someone else took the picture of you in front of the, at the end, right? right in front of right. the sign. So someone else took the picture of the group at the beginning. Mm-hmm. So my one picture that I liked, and it was looking up at the mountain. Uh-huh. And it showed how far away we were. <laughs> you're like, oh my goodness. You're <laughs> the middle of the second day and you see how far you have to go. Yeah, yeah. Through the trees because uh-huh. you still had some trees and things Uh so that was my thing the other thing is the second day was said we only went three miles the Mm -hmm. second day and it allows um like five or six hours to go three miles and Uh that was one of my big questions when I was preparing is how does it take five or six hours to go three miles yeah well at the end of day two I said now I know because (laughs) it's really it must be steep as yeah you just didn't go that fast that well. And it started, the altitude is starting to pick up. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. I think on the end of the second day, well, I think that was the Shira hut. I think you go to like the, so the first yes, day Shira was, too. Yeah, yeah, like Shira cave. Then we go to the Shira hut <coughs> on the second day. Anyway, I don't, I mean, I remember like, and then it started becoming more like this desert, high altitude desert, as I remember we kind of traveled into. They call it open moorlands. <laughs> Look at us in our... They call it heather. <laughs> cool. Yeah. So um, anything that stood out for you on those second, that second day? I went slower the second day. Yeah. Our, our guides wasn't happy that I, a few of us were going faster the first day. Uh-huh. I was just going my normal Utah speed. Because it was normal Utah altitude. Uh-huh. And he kind of frowned on that. I knew he would when we all met up because we were ahead. And I said, that's fine. This is my mm-hmm. my comfort zone. Absolutely. I said, I'll start going slower the next day. So I stayed with the main group. Yeah, absolutely. Um, after that. So. Yeah. I remember we actually bumped into a pair of Canadians um, that were tra- backpacking Africa. <laughs> like you do. And they were hilarious. They ended up, so they were fully self-supported. They had no porters carrying all their own stuff. And they were... Did you know you can't do that now? Yeah, probably. I mean, that was back in the day. Okay. Yeah. Um, they might have had, maybe they had one hired. They may have hired a porter, I think. Okay. But essentially, they were just hilarious because they really didn't have that much gear. They just had, you know, just some stuff that they had been backpacking with. I mean, I remember they kind of camped near our tent a little bit so they could kind of like hang out a little and have a little more support. Cause they're like, I remember it gets, I heard it gets really cold at the top and we don't have a lot of cold stuff. Oh my gosh. <laughs> anyway, we thought it was like crazy ludicrous, these guys. So we would pass them along the trail. But anyway, they were, it was, they were 
Hilarious. The whole did they stay the whole time? With yeah, you? they oh, were. Tough. Were they cold at the end? Oh, for sure oh, they were. Oh my gosh! But I was super sick. I don't remember because I was. Oh, you had were to do with sick? my own problems. Oh, we'll too. get to that. Yeah, we will. <laughs> okay, so so I wanted to tell you that our guide has done it a whole bunch of times, and he's eighty-two years old. What? And he's in the Guinness Book of World Records. His name is <laughs> Warner. Um, I was gonna. Uh, I'm trying to think of his last name. Warner Berger. And he's from South Africa. Mm-hmm. He lives in the U.S. now, but he was from South Africa. And he w- is the oldest guy to summit the seven summits <gasps> in the seven continents. Whoa! And so I'm not sure if he's still in there, but he was in there for a good number of years. Wow. He was 76 when he did Everest, his last oh one. Heck. And so that's why he att- they attracted the older crowd. We didn't know each other. We all came from everywhere. I was the only one that lives at altitude. Everyone else was New York and California oh. and J- New Jersey. And so they're coming from zero. Mm-hmm. So I had an advantage. Mm-hmm. And I was able to practice a little bit. It was snowy the, the summer I went in 2019. Uh-huh. So this, when I left the end of J- June, there was, you, couldn't be, you couldn't hike yet in, in the canyons. So I, we were in like Park City Oh, hiking. in Utah. It was in snow. Utah. Before yeah, I yeah. left, I couldn't prepare as much as I wanted to because we couldn't get to the higher altitudes right. here in Utah. So, <laughs> but I was way that way more prepared but just than you were the others. Sleeping at like four and a half thousand. Yeah, four and a half. You know, four thousand. Yeah, forty five hundred yeah. to start with. I had an advantage, so yeah. that was great. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. All right. So how about on? So now you start moving on. We get higher too. Tell me about your day three. I believe that was from. I think that's like from the Shira Hut to the Lava Tower. Right. Um, and on it's funny, on the on the sign at the beginning of the trail, it has that as three hours. And that's all they tell you. Three hours. Oh, wow. mine says four to five hours. <laughs> it's four miles. Uh-huh. And this is where, oh, so this is where you get height altitude before you then go back down. Yeah, yeah. So this one went from 12,000 to 15,000 feet. Mm-hmm. And... That's right. Did you every afternoon after you got back to camp at two or three, have a meal and then go back hiking high? Oh, I don't remember. Oh, and do like kind of like side trips and stuff? No, it was actually just to acclimate. Yeah. So this is, he has, my guy, I don't know. Do you know, remember what the failure rate of climbing Kilimanjaro is? No. It's, it's somewhere around 50%. Really? Yeah, it, it's it's improved over the years because they have better equipment, better instructions, and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've seen anywhere from forty percent to sixty percent failure rate, kind mm-hmm. of thing. So not everybody makes it to the top. Wow! I had but no my idea. guy is in the eighty to ninety percent range. Ah, uh, because he does these like he's careful. He does mm-hmm. it slower and he does it more carefully. So every evening, yeah, we didn't want to <laughs> really didn't want to. But just so okay, it's time, and we'd hike up, uh-huh. maybe uh, one or two thousand feet, hang out for about a half hour, and then come back down. Oh, wasn't yeah. hard. Uh-huh. Wasn't you know is is. What would be a fun hike here, but at the end of that day, you just didn't want to do it. But everybody did it. We were good. Yeah. And it is part of his success rate. That because they said there's a saying that says you hike high, sleep low, for and and that would make sense. Yeah. And I'm gonna say because when we get to fifteen thousand feet, then you oh so here's the deal, then you go two miles back to sleep. The the lava tower is down at thirteen thousand feet. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. So yeah. we hiked up. I mean, you're still hiking in a direction, but the the terrain mm-hmm. goes up to 15,000 and then it goes back down to 13,000. Yeah. 
And by now, like the land, it looks like a, it's more arid. We're seeing like cactuses, grasses, um, nothing Dirt. really big and <laughs> brown. Green. Yeah, everything's brown. You see lots of brown rock. Um, yeah, the lava, the lava tower is just this big pillar of rock. Um, yeah, so we've kind of, we're at, by far out of the green by now on our day three. Yeah, they're yes. calling it Alpine Desert. Yeah. That's what I'm like. We live in one of those. What is that thing? We yeah. do. Alpine yes. Desert. Looks like Utah. Yep. That's the lava tower. Anyway, so that was our third day. And then heading into our fourth day, it's the lava tower to the Arrow Glacier. Um. Oh, that's no, that's an alternate route. We actually did. We passed the lava tower and we went on to, I think. Gosh, this is where I get lost. Do you remember what route you took? There's the Barranco. We went Barranco, Barranco to Caranga. Yeah. Okay. Yep. That sounds right. Yep. And I think that's the way we did. You stay. I mean, you go up, but you stay at 13,000 feet. I mean, yeah. you start and you end at 13,000 feet. Yes. Because that's okay. That's right. Because we passed lava. We passed the lava tower. We didn't camp there. So that's an alternate route that you would sleep there. I saw. But yeah. yeah. We did. Yeah. So we moved on. Yeah. Yeah. And that has six hours. <sighs> six hours for that day. Oh, you went longer. We went four to five. Yeah. <laughs> but this has, do you remember the 900 foot cliff, the wall, the Great Barranco Wall? Oh, yes. Is that, let's see. Oh. um. It was really steep. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's just a sheer cliff. Yes. Yeah, I do. I remember, was that the night, like one of the nights we slept. Oh, yes. I'm seeing, I'm looking at a picture. Yeah. Is that what you're talking mm -hmm. about? So, um, there was some bouldering. Some yeah, there was some scrambling. And stuff. Hang, hanging on the cliff. I have to say, though, I, the night before you hit that, you do that huge um, cliff face. Yes. Um, I remember camping in our tents and you can see, I don't know if it's the summit, but from that, the, the basin, but it was the most beautiful um, night I think I'd ever spent um, on, that I ever spent on Killy. It was just quiet and still and the sky just like lit up. So the moon was out, right? Yeah, I think, I think so. we had one of those. And you could see these huge ice clap glaciers, like, because we were in a big bowl and you could see these huge glaciers way up in the moonlight. Anyway, it was wild. And the tents make you think of Everest, right? Yeah, because the they're all different tents, colors. All oranges and yellows. Yeah, and... all the different people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like a little tent city. Everywhere so there you are go. very few glaciers left. Yeah. It's really sad. People yeah. are very sad. There's, you know, in the middle of the summer, like we went, mm -hmm. very little ice up there. Yeah, yeah. And the glaciers, that's kind of part of why my dad said he wanted to do Kilimanjaro. It's like, because I don't know how long this glacier is going to be around. <laughs> and I was like, oh. Well, we're going to wrap it up for our part one of Kilimanjaro. We are so glad to have you today. I'm so glad to have Pam with us today. To hear more fun, inspiring stories, please check us out and subscribe and all that jazz and check out the website, mountainmamas.org. Um, and that's it for today's adventure. Join us next time. And as always, remember, a woman's place is in the mountains.